All right, thank you again for being here. Just so you know the schedule, we didn't have Sunday school today, so when we're done with this service, we will have lunch for you over in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, the patio area over there, and we'll eat together, and then we will come back, uh, I'll give you the starting time for sure, right at 12 o'clock, and then we'll, have, uh, we'll meet here for a little bit. Then for the second service, we're going to split up into different classes, and we'll let you know about that, and that's going to be exciting, so I hope you'll stick around and be with us. Uh, for today. <clears throat> How many of you have ever heard of the, the phrase, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is? Or there's something unusual behind it? Years ago, I read a story about uh, a, a guy, he was driving down the road and he saw, uh, I don't know if it was a Mercedes or something like that, and it had a for sale sign on it, and it said $1. And so he's like, I got to check this out. And he went there, and it was legit. The lady sold this car for a dollar. Well, the story was her and her husband were splitting up, and she said, I'll get back at him. I'm going to sell his car. So, <laughs> so if you ever drive by and you see a sign like that, it might be worth taking a look into. You just never know what you're going to get. Not, we won't usually get those type of deals. Usually when it comes to things like that, it's because we're about ready to, to lose something, right? They always tell you, read the fine print, because when you read something, it's like there's usually something that's going to be alongside of it that we have to understand, and I'll tell you how that fits into the message in a minute. We're, look, we're in the book of Proverbs, chapter number two. Proverbs is the book of wisdom, and uh, it was written by the wisest man who ever lived, at least for a while, King Solomon. Now, understand this, that when we talk about wisdom, wisdom has nothing to do with mental capacity. And it has nothing to do with your IQ. I think we live in times when people that we would think have high IQs uh, are, know what's going on. But the fact of the matter is most people with high IQs don't have any wisdom at all. Uh, look at our school systems, right? Well, these people have so many degrees by their name. You know, they have more degrees than a thermometer. And yet when it comes to the basic things of life, they're ignorant. Um, you know, you have to be a, bio, a biologist to figure out a gender. I don't even remember ever taking a biology class. Well, probably because I didn't go to my classes when I was in high school. But I don't remember a biology class, but when we had our first child, I knew what, I knew what it was. It was pretty simple. And how can people fall for that nonsense? I, I mean, they're so smart, they're so educated, they have zero wisdom. And those aren't decisions based on intelligence, by the way. Those, are, based, those are, are decisions based on a preferred lifestyle, okay? Um, you know, and I won't even get into that. But you can be wise and have what the world would consider just an average IQ. Because wisdom has nothing to do with that. It's related to living the truth, not just knowing stuff. And that's what Proverbs is all about. Starting in verse 5, and I want us to look at these briefly here, we see benefits of, of following God's truth, of having the truth of God. There's a lot of benefits to it in our life. Look at verse 5. It says, Thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord. That means we'll have a proper view of reverence. By the way, most people don't understand what that whole phrase, the fear of the Lord, is. It means to have a reverence for God. 
and an understanding of who he is. Most people think of it as, you know, fear of the Lord, like God's up in heaven. He's waiting for us to, to make a mistake so he can punish us or beat us over the head with a baseball bat. That's not what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is we understand who God is and we have a reverence for his position in our life. We understand God's place in our life. He is God, not us. That'd be a good place for us to start right there. You say, Pastor, I would never assume that I was a God, that I'm God. I understand that. But when we, when we take the place of God, it's when we are the determining factor of right and wrong in our life. When we get into that mode, you know what's happened to us? We've, in essence, become our own God. He's in control, not us. And here's the best part of that. If we understand that he's God, and we understand that he's in control, then he knows what's best for us. Isn't that, isn't that nice? The Bible tells us if we're saved, he's our father. What father would not know what's best for his child and not want what's best for his child? And so God will never lead us down a wrong path. And so if we do that, we have the fear of the Lord, and we have an understanding of our accountability to God. And by the way, accountability is a good thing. It helps us to stay where we're supposed to be, and it helps us to get to where we want to be. That all comes to the fear of the Lord. So don't think of it as most people think of the fear of the Lord. But there's another thing, another benefit, if we continue on in verse 5. He goes, and find the knowledge of God. When we have reverence for God, the fear of the Lord, we will have knowledge of God because we will want to know more about him. And I hope that's your desire. I hope that's why you are in church. And I hope that's why you, you have a Bible and you look into your Bible because you just want to know more about him. When you know more about him, you will be closer to him. And the closer you get to him, the more you will love him. And the more that you love him and the closer you are to him, the more that you will have a trust for him. The problem with us is we have a ton of knowledge about things that don't necessarily matter. Right? If I ask you about your uh, brother, brother Jim, I mean, his whole thing was the, the warriors. He knew their mantra, strength in numbers. Okay? Uh, I could think of other teams. I could give them a mantra, but I don't want to do that this morning. But most people, you ask them about the team they like or a cause they like or you name it, they can rattle off all kinds of things that they know. And that's not necessarily wrong, but you know what happens? You know what I find? People will have knowledge about all these things, and you ask them about God, and they know nothing. Even someone who's a Christian, even someone who goes to church, and they just don't know much, it's a matter of desire. And it's a matter of understanding if we have the fear of the Lord and we really know who he is, we will want to know more and more and more about God. When someone says it's just too hard, I just can't get it, I don't believe that at all. Someone said, I, you know, I just, I'm not really, I just don't really understand this whole God concept thing and all this spirituality. And then you ask them about fishing. They know where to go. They know when to go. They know what bait to use. They know all of it. So it's, not, it's just a matter of importance. But when we, when, we are, when we are into God's truth, we will know so much more about him. Also, verse 6, we get wisdom. For the Lord giveth wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom. And by the way, wisdom is the ability to apply God's truth to our life. That's why it only comes 
through him. It, what does knowledge do? Knowledge gives us what God says and it gives us his truth and then God allows us through wisdom to take that knowledge that we're learning and actually live it in our everyday life. That is wisdom. You say, why is that important? Well, Proverbs tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. I mean, it's at the top of the list and it's important for us to have that and we can only get that from God. If we get that, we can move on to verse 7 and we get protection. Look what he says in verse 7. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Buckler means like a shield, being, being armed for defense. You see, there's a lot of things in this life that can trip us up. There's a lot of things in this life that can mess us up. And say, where does that protection come from? Yes, we have a responsibility, but, but, that, but that protection comes from God. When we, when we fear him and we're knowing his truth and we're making it a part of our life, do we not understand that the fact that we're living his truth protects us from, from all the consequences of when we don't live his truth? There is a built-in protection in wisdom. By the way, it's nice to have protection from all the pitfalls and all the nonsense. The saddest thing to me when they do studies of different things in our society and different ills and different uh, negative consequences in a person's life that, uh, th that those that claim to be Christian, they suffer almost the same percentage of those things as someone who claims not to be a Christian. What does that mean? Has God been unplugged? No, that, that doesn't mean that. It just means we're not following his truth. Because there's a built-in protection there. We think God's up in heaven and he's waiting for us to do something wrong or violate his truth and then he can punish us. But that's not how it works. Because the fact of the matter is, the things that God is teaching us and telling us to do or not to do have a built-in protection from the natural consequences of doing or not doing those things. And so there's, there, there's protection. There's also preservation. Look at verse 8. He keepeth the paths of judgment. Keepeth means guard. Keepeth means guard. And preserveth the ways of his saints. The word preserveth comes from uh, 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 the sense of a, like a watchman keeping track, seeing what's going on. In other words, God's path for us is a guarded path and it's a preserved path. See, whenever we follow God's path for our life, and we find that primarily from his word, but God will also show us things that he wants us to do in our life, when we follow that, we are naturally going to be preserved because God's going to keep that for us. God will never lead you down the wrong path, ever. Ever. You say, well, pastor, I was going down a path, and, and it was a wrong path. Then either it was your path, or you got detoured on that path. Because God will preserve us. God's way is best. We can do our own thing. We can go our own way. But there's no guarantee that's going to turn out. But when we follow God's way, there's a preservation. We'll get to where God wants us to get to. We'll, we'll get what God wants us to have. It always works out that way. And then verse 9, understanding. Then shalt thou understand righteousness. Understand in the sense of discernment. We'll, under, we'll have a discernment when it comes to righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. We won't just, uh, we won't just live life 
not understanding the potential consequences. We understand the consequences of our decisions. See, that's what discernment is. You know what discernment is? Discernment says, hey, if I take this course of action, here's what's going to happen down at the end of that path. So I'm not going to take it. See, most of us, we just follow the course, we follow our emotions, we'll follow another person, and we have no clue what's going to happen when we get to the end. But a person that understands Scripture and understands God, they look at that choice and say, where will that lead me? That's not going to lead me to a good place. Understanding. So many people get themselves into trouble because of things they do, and then they say this, ready? I didn't see that coming. Well, a lot of times in a spiritual sense, it's because we weren't spiritual enough to look ahead. When you have discernment, you not only see it coming, you see it coming before it ever happens so you can avoid it. You know, that's the best thing. Now, that's the verses we read. We're to verse 9. These are all the benefits that ones get, that, that we can get. Ones that direct our life in a godly direction and will lead us on a path of joy. Say, well, that was a quick message. We're done. No, we're not. We're halfway there. Here's the message. When these things are listed starting in verse 5, the verse begins with the word, then. What does it mean when it says in verse, verse 5, uh, verse five? then thou shalt? Well, that means it's related in a result of the verses before it. <clears throat> it's not just ripped up, they're like, hey, this is just going to happen. No, then it happens. Why? Well, what, what was he speaking for about earlier on? Well, the key word in the verses before is the word if. If. The word if means that what are in, the, that means that what are in these verses are an offer and an opportunity. For what? The then so what he tells us in verse 1 through 4 gives us the opportunity and the option to get to what I just mentioned in verses 5 through 9. You say, aha, there's a catch. That's the fine print. See, what we want, here's what we want. We want God just to give us everything and we don't want to have to follow anything. We want the benefits without doing what bring the benefits. That's our problem. Like I mentioned, it seems too good to be true. There's a catch. But the fact of the matter is, it's not a catch. Because when we get a catch in life, that means someone's trying to trick us to take something for, from us. You know, you ever been tricked in a contract? What they're trying to do is they wanted you to get this, and you signed the contract, and what they're getting out of it is far more than what you're going to get out of it. They're trying to rip you off. God's not trying to rip you off. See, God's saying, look, these are the things you have to do which bring these benefits. And that's what he's talking about. So the condition is the if, the things we have to do. The result will be the then. So if we want the reverence, the knowledge, the wisdom, the protection, the preservation, and the understanding and discernment, then we have to follow the ifs. Those are conditions that, that make up the offer. And it all comes down to this. We have to make the choice. So what are the ifs? Let me give you a couple of them and we'll be done. The first if is we have to receive. Look at verse number one. He says, my son, if thou will receive my words. What does it mean to receive? To lay hold of, to grab. You see, the fact of the matter is we never get the benefits of God unless we really want the benefits of God. 
and we're willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to receive what you're trying to give me so I can get the benefits you want me to have. And they're all just laid out in the Bible. Let's just lay it all on the line right there. So apart from his word, we'll never get the benefits that I told you about earlier. And we will never get those unless we want to receive them. Think about salvation. God describes salvation as a gift that is offered to us. Jesus Christ came and paid for the gift, and that gift of salvation is offered to us, but we will never get the gift of salvation unless we are willing to receive the gift. Okay? Someone comes up and offers you a gift, you're not getting it unless you receive it. You take it. You're like, okay, hey, no, no one gets a Christmas present. Kids don't get a Christmas present. Say, I don't want it. Well, sometimes they open it and they say they don't want it, okay? But they'll take it any day of the week. But we're never going to get what God has for us, his truth, if we do not want it. That's just a matter of desire. Do we really desire to receive something from God? Because most of the time we don't and we're not going to get it. Second Peter, 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, this was our theme verse last year, desire the sin, sin, milk of the word. He says you got to want that scripture. you got to want to learn what God says. If you don't care about it, if it's not a big deal to you, you ain't going to get it. It's not a half-hearted situation. you got to say, I really want to find out what God wants, and I'm going to get in his word, and I'm going to find out I desire by the way, if we're not careful, we, we, we think that, you know, we're just, we're not going to get, we're going to get it automatically. Pastor Esposito used to always the word, use the word osmosis, right? Like we're going to put the Bible under our pillow and sleep and it's just going to seep into our mind. <clears throat> that'd be nice if it did. You, that'd be good for your college test, amen? Just put that, that sheet underneath your thing and hope that it doesn't work that way. How much you receive from the word of God, whether you're reading it or hearing it preached or taught in church, is dependent on your desire to receive something. By the way, don't make coming to church just a Sunday morning ritual. You know, we, we don't do, the, we don't do the, 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 the prayers and swing beads and all that stuff. There's nothing, there's nothing meaningful in that. What's meaningful is that book. And what that book says. And that's what we're trying to get. Reading your Bible sometimes can just be a spiritual checklist. I got my three chapters in. It took me 10 minutes. Check, check, check. I'm done for the day. See you tomorrow. It's got to be more than that. What do you want to get from it? Let me ask you this and we'll move on. When was the last time you received something from God's word that spoke to your heart and made a difference in your life? If you can't think of something, then maybe your desire to receive something needs to increase. Second, he says hide. Verse 1. And hide my commandments with thee. Hide means to store away. So often we come to church, we hear a message that speaks to our heart, we read a verse in the Bible that, that, that spoke to us, and 10 minutes later, we forgot everything we heard. Why don't we make sure it becomes a part of who we are? I don't want to just hear it and walk away. I want it to be something I remember for a long time. By the way, James, when he talks about being a, a, a doer of the word and not the hearer only, he says, don't be a forgetful here. James chapter 1 and verse 25, he says this. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, speaking of scripture, and continueth therein, not just a one-time thing, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You, gotta store, you, gotta, you can't forget what you, what you heard. 
Okay, it, when it comes to, uh, um, you know, when it comes to remembering things, most of, things we learn, it, most of us are like children, right? Your child comes home from church, uh, from school. It's like, hey, how was school today? They're going to say, fine. And here's, here's what they're going to say. What did you learn today? And they'll either give you one of two answers, things or stuff. And I'm like, wow, that is really specific. I mean, what I'm talking about. It's like you just spent six and a half hours in the classroom and you learned stuff. Okay? They're, they're, now, they probably do remember it, but that's how most of us, hey, what was the message about today? The Bible. Okay, great. Good answer. Right? But did God speak to you about something? Are you going to remember that? Is it going to be a part of who you are? It has to get through our ears and into our hearts. Psalms chapter 119, verse 9, he goes, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. How do we clean up our heart? It's our lives. It's by his word. In verse 11, he goes, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Do you know it's like going to battle without any bullets? Right? One of the kids was walking in the hallway the other day, and he, he's like, I got guns, and he went like this. I'm like, yeah, but there's no bullets. Okay, those, those guns are not loaded. Okay? That's how, mo that's how most of us are spiritually speaking. We got no spiritual bullets. We carry a Bible, but we don't know anything that's inside of it. How did Jesus defeat Satan? Scripture. He didn't have the Bible in front of him. It was in his heart. When Satan threw something at him, he said, uh, you know, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that was it for Satan. So it's got it's to gotta gotta be in our heart. Number three, we have to incline. Verse two, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom. Incline means to pay attention, Right? It's like something that's being said, and you want to hear it, and so you tune in. How many know what I'm talking about? You can hear people talk and not hear them talk. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay, right? If you guys, if you're really, really old, you remember this. Jerry told me about it. Um, sorry, Jerry. There was a commercial back when I was a youngster, and I remember it. The, the, everybody's sitting in a restaurant, and they're, they're all at the tables eating, and these two guys are sitting there talking about their investments. And the one guy's telling them, you know, my broker, he told me to do this, 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 and this. And in the background, everybody's eating dinner, and they're chattering. No one's paying attention. And then the other guy looks at him and says, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And my broker says, and as soon as he gets done saying that, everybody stopped talking, and they're staring at him. And remember the tagline was, when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody, yeah, people listen. Okay, that's, now, I don't know what that has to do with the Bible, but um, I, they're probably not even in business anymore. I'm not sure. But the point is true. People wanted to hear, so they turned to them. That's what incline means. To incline means you're not just hearing it. It's like, hey, wait a minute, that's important. Let me get this. I remember, uh, I remember uh, uh, I do like football, and um, I like the Rams. And last year was, you know, hey, bumping the road. They, they were too busy doing ministry work. So um, remember when they, the first time they won the Super Bowl was the early 2000s. But the change came because they, 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 they traded for a, a running back named uh, Marshall Falk. And the year, like two or three years before, they were a train wreck. 
And they said that the very first meeting of the year, they had an offensive meeting. And they were all sitting in the room. All the offensive players were sitting in the room. The offensive coach got up to speak, and no one was paying attention. And Marshall Fox raised his hand. He goes, yeah. He goes, he got up, and as loud as he could, he goes, hey, coach, can we get some pencils and paper here? Because I'm pretty sure you're going to say, say something we're going to need to remember, and these guys need to know what you said. And it's like everybody was on notice, like, all right, it's time to get serious here. That's how it is. When we're inclining our ears, it's like, I don't just, like, it's not just words coming in our ears. It's like, I want to get what he's saying. I want to know what he's saying. I really want to understand what God is trying to say here. Do you understand the, the difference there? Pay we need to pay attention to what he's saying. Number four, then we need to move it up to, we have to apply Look at verse 2, and apply thine heart to understanding. Apply has the sense of, of bending down and stretching towards, like going to get it so that you have it, right? That's what the truth is. You take it and you bring it to yourself so it becomes a part of who you are. And it happens in our heart. The phrase I love in the book of Psalms, particularly Psalm 119, is the phrase whole heart. David said, with my whole heart. You know, when someone's with their whole heart, you know what it means? 100%. I'm giving everything here. I'm not half-hearted. I'm not wasting my time. I'm going to take it. Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119, verse 10. We read the verses on the bookends earlier. The verse 10 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from my commandments. If you have that attitude, I want to hear God's word so that it directs my life, you're going to apply it to your life. You're going to be all in on what he is saying. And then Psalm 119, verse 34, shows the connection being between our heart and understanding and obedience. He says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. There's the word understanding. There's the heart. How serious are you about the things of God? You understand this. You cannot obey if you don't understand. And you will not understand if you don't want it with your whole heart. How important is it to you? Is it something you really want to be a part of? Next, we have two more and we're done. Cry, verse 3. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lift this up thy voice for understanding. The word criest means to call out or to call to yourself. Not just screaming or yelling. And think of it like this. And if you're a parent, this has happened, right? You have a child, and you're at a store somewhere, and um, they, they walk away from you. You know how many of you I'm talking about? Now, most kids, when they get lost and they look around and they realize that they don't know where mom and dad is, what do they start doing, typically? They start screaming. Why? Are they screaming just to scream? No, they're screaming so mom and dad will find them. They want to be found. They're crying out because they want a response. That's the kind of crying out it is. I want to have knowledge so bad, I want it to come to me. That is passion. Do you have a passion 
for God? Do you have a passion to learn what, he, what he's saying? Do you have a passion? You're crying out like, I have to know this. This has to be a part of my life. Is that you? If not, you're not going to get the benefits. And then lastly, seeking. Look at verse 4. If thou seekest her as silver, something precious, and searchest for her as for hid treasures. We understand. Seekest means a desire to get something that leads us to go get it. Searchest means to search for diligently. That means we're looking to find everything God has. We're serious about it. We all know, you know, there's these treasure hunters. And you go anywhere, there's some... There's some story about a lost treasure or this, that, or the other. Everybody's still looking for, uh, what is it, uh, El Dorado? Is that the, the city of gold? It's a myth, okay? Keep looking. But as long as there's that opportunity, people spend their whole life searching for things. Fact of the matter is, do you know some people have actually found some treasures? But fact of the matter is, most of them don't. And they waste years of their life and mental energy and finances, and they never get it, but they were motivated by it. How motivated are we to find out God's truth? Now, here's why we, if we don't, here's why. You ready? This will be the key, because it's not valuable to us. See, to them, to a treasure hunter, and I don't want to end up being one of these guys in, you know, uh, shorts from the 80s out on the beach, and I'm not against that. You probably found really good stuff, okay? But, you know, it, it's like... Uh, you're not going to find treasure that way usually. You might find someone's old watch. That'd be great too. But you're looking for something valuable. But we don't seek truth because we don't think it's valuable. See, that's why we're hit and miss with everything. If we understood how important it was, we understood all the benefits God has, we would go after it. So here's the point. You don't get all of the benefits he mentioned, the thens, without the if, the conditions. And here's what the conditions really boil down to. You have to really want it. That's all there is to it. You have to, you have to do what it says to get it. If your life, and, and I don't take this in the spirit in which I'm giving it, if your life is not what it could be, then typically it's not because you've done what you are supposed to have done. If you're not spiritually where you want to be or you think you should be, it's because you have not put yourself in a position to be there. Let's get away from this um, victim society and quit bringing that into Christianity. Because God says it's pretty point blank. My relationship with you is only going to be as strong as you want it to be. My closeness to you is only going to be as strong as you want it to be. How I work in your life and how your life works out from a spiritual standpoint is only going to work out to the extent that you really want it to be. So here's my question. Do you really want it? Are you taking this seriously? Are you going after it? Christianity wasn't made to work if you're half-hearted. It just doesn't. You've got to be 100%. And then we get those benefits. We want the benefits without, the, without putting the labor in. It just doesn't work. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute if we may. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The encouragement to this morning is this. Let's just not say that the things of Scripture and all of that's important to us. Let's do what we're supposed to do. Let's get it to be a part of our life. 
Let's really say, Lord, I want you to, when you come to the service, let me ask you this. Do you really want God to speak to you? Do you really want to learn something? When you open the scripture, do you say, God, this morning, maybe, that, maybe it won't shatter the earth. Maybe it won't be a life-changing experience. But Lord, can I get something from your word today? When you live your life, do you say, Lord, I want, when I'm living my life, I want evidence that you're doing something in my life. I don't just want to go here, there, or the other place. You got to want it. You got to want it. That's it. You'll get as much as God as you want. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You got to make a step. Got to make a step. Are you making those steps today? I hope that you are. And sometimes we have that desire and we started to let God work in our life and then what happens is other things come and that desire starts to die. We got to constantly renew it. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. You're, you're, you, you, in our sense, we would say you're not a Christian because you've not received him. Can I just tell you something? You're not going to get the benefits he has unless you're one of his. Here's the question today. Are you 100% for sure if you would die today that you would go to heaven? That's a, that's a pretty loaded question. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have any doubt at all? If that's you, here's the good news. That could be settled. If you would say with nobody looking around, you know, Pastor, that is me. I am not 100% for sure that if I were to die, to go to heaven. I, I do have some doubt, and I'd like to settle that. Pastor, would you pray for me with no one looking around? Would you just raise your hand, and I'll recognize it, and then I'll pray for you. Anybody at all? Yes, I see you right here. Anybody at all? Let's stand together this morning. The piano's going to play. If, if God spoke to you about anything, why don't you come? God doesn't desire us to be perfect. God desires us to desire Him. And that's all that He wants.